Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast, where the stakes are high, talk is cheap, and results are on the other side of commitment. Hosted by a former addict, myself, and I'm his wife, Jamie. We uncover addicts' mindsets, showing that the talents you've created in your struggle will be the superpowers you leverage to heal your deepest wounds. Listen to former addicts share stories of how they've flipped the switch, including insights into how much we can believe in ourselves. For those of you affected by addiction, we support your desire to help the addict in your life by raising the stakes and creating emotional barriers. Hello and welcome back to the Business Addicts Podcast. Today we have a guest, a special guest. Every guest is special, but you know, this one's candy. So uh, I'm going to address something right off the, the top because this has happened to me several times. We're going to be talking about human design today. And for some reason, out of all the different crazy things that, that Jamie and I do and the community that we're communities we're part of, human design for some Christians is uh, is a trigger. And so I'll let Candy speak to that too and her experience, anything she wants to add. But from my experience, um, anything that has to do with astrology, for some reason, uh, Christians are like, oh no, I can't do that. And I would just challenge you to think about what's the reason why behind that, that you're having an issue with astrology and anything related to astrology. The way I look at it as a Christian is the stars are created by God. Um, if they're going to influence me in some way, that's from God. I would just challenge you, Is it? Is it? are you afraid just because it's something different? Um, or is it, yeah, like what's behind that? So with that, I'll introduce Candy and yeah, tell us about yourself and uh, looking forward to this, this discussion. Well, first of all, thank you, Kevin, so much for having me. Uh, it is my honor to be in this conversation with you. And uh, I absolutely would love to address um, that comment you just made um, a little bit as well. Um, but I'll start with just sharing a little bit about my background and why we're going to talk about human design. Um, just so everybody knows, I actually have a background in mechanical engineering. Um, I was in corporate for 20 years and uh, through a series of some pretty hard rock, hard rock bottom moments um, through my own addictions and my own uh, behaviors, choices that I made, um, I found myself sort of grappling with what was next. And so after 20 years of a very lucrative corporate career, I stepped away and started my own business. And I do a lot of work with um, high burnout, high type A, uh, transitioning leaders, and those who are getting caught in sort of that hamster wheel of that cycle, um, which at some point about five and a half years ago brought me to human design. And so it was a client of mine that actually introduced me, which I will say I had some of my the same reactions and triggers where I was like, this is woo woo, this is a bunch of nonsense. I, while I always had a fascination with astrology and astronomy, I'm like, I know human design has nothing for me. Um, and then as is the things that tend to push up against us, it actually um, created some curiosity to start going down some rabbit holes. And as I learned more, one of my biggest ahas was it's actually physics. And it is um, quantum physics and quantum mechanics in parallel with Eastern philosophies um, and Eastern sort of nuances around the Kabbalah, the I Ching. And so it's bringing in a lot of different influences, um, but it really is just an energetic blueprint of uh, who we are, or I should say how we are um, and how we operate based on time of birth, location, and um, date of birth. And it's all just a matter of what energy we tapped into when we came into the world. And so being able to break that down a little bit differently changed the game for me. And I think um, it's changed the game for some of my clients who hit up against that um, because we do, we have some religious dogmas that oftentimes say, well, energy's here. And, but to your point, if everything was made from God, we are all part of that. And all of that is energy that is connected. And so it just kind of says that interconnects in point and sort of a how we be inside of all of that. I like that explanation. That that sounds perfect, and I like how you're bringing more of the background behind it. I think human design. There's there's just so much to know, and our experience has been very similar to yours in that someone told us about it, told us little little something that we could use, and then over time 
and I still don't know much about it, honestly, but like uh, over time, there's more and more that we've learned and it makes sense and it, it helps explain some things about how we're different from each other. And um, so I'd like to have that discussion today with you. Like there's there's a lot of things out there in the world that um, that help us as addicts, help us or mm-hmm. former addicts even um, help us as people to understand ourselves better. And I think there's a lot that you've discovered that I talked about with you that that's pretty special. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're talking about when that whole breakdown or whatever happened where, um, you know, what was part of that? And, and thank you, by the way, for helping others that are going through those things like you. Yeah, so I appreciate that. And like I said, um, human design originally for me felt like something that was really out there. I, I've done, and, and I'll, I'll kind of preface this a little bit because I think there's a couple myths that need to be dispelled in order to have the conversation around this. And one of them is that human design is just another assessment tool. And I would challenge that frame of reference and that thought because an assessment tool, whether it be DISC, Myers-Briggs, Personality, Strength Finders, is a function of you answering a series of questions that oftentimes is, is related to the context for which you are answering those questions. And what I mean by that is it, it has to do with your current programming, conditioning, experiences, filters, frames, um, your emotional well-being, your environment, your stress level, like all of that. And it's it's amazing to me because I, I trained in many of those and I still use those tools. They're very valuable. Don't get me wrong. Um, but what's interesting about that is people be like, your disc never changes. And I will call BS on that all day long because your yep. context <laughs> changes. We yes. grow, we evolve. Human design, however, doesn't change. Human design is an energetic blueprint. It is a it is a map of your individual wiring and DNA coding. And so when you look at while we have areas that we can we're going to evolve and we can grow and you can see where and how those dynamics play out, there are certain shadows or there are certain things that we're constantly hitting up against because it's part of our soul curriculum and part of our soul purpose as we engage and interact in our humanness in this 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 experiment of human life right it's it's our ability to have the human adventure in sort of our spiritual path um to remembering who we truly are and so again this is going to rub up against some people and i always offer to people that get triggered you have three choices inside of that trigger one is you can decide nope not for me i'm tuning out we wish you well have a nice day, um, you can sit in the trigger all day long. That is your choice. The other thing is you can get curious. And so what I think Kevin and I are trying to offer you today is that you get curious in, could I consider a different thought? Could I potentially go down a rabbit hole that lets me explore or contemplate something a little bit different? And the third reason a trigger shows up sometimes is to let us see how far we've actually come in changing the the narrative that oftentimes holds us back. And so regardless of whether you're getting conditioning from your family, from generational lineage, from your schools, from your churches, from we get programming. It, it, it just is because every one of us in our humanness has a filter, which how we process information, how we get energy, how we receive that information and energy and how we put it back in the world. Human design is the map that shows you how you access that energy and information, how you process it, and how you put it back in the world. And and one of the other myths that I want to break down on this is people be like, oh, human design is another label or box to tell me who I am. No, it's not who you are. You get to decide that. We have free will. We can decide who the hell we want to be anytime, any, it doesn't matter. Human design is how you are. So it's how you access energy, how you access information how you consume even food and what environments you serve. So it's how you work, play, and rest best. It's how you interact with others in the world. It's how. So inside of that how, we have what's called openness, which means there are areas that we are prone. All of us have openness in our chart. We are prone to absorbing and amplifying the energy outside of us, which means we unconsciously 
are absorbing the fears <laughs> and the narratives and the stuff from other people that oftentimes kicks us into imposter syndrome and comparisonitis and all of these things that tend to be the triggers for where our addictive behaviors and patterns show up. And you can map that out. Kevin and I were talking about even before the show, my addictive tendencies show up differently in my chart than they do for Kevin. And when you understand that, and when you understand where you're prone to burnout, you then can take that ownership, that agency of choice and say, if I know this about me, how do I proactively provide what I need so I'm not defaulting and then sliding down that slippery slope of those addictive behaviors or tendencies that take me out? Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is so beautiful. And I'm glad you said everything you said, because you said it way better than what I could say. Uh, which is the beautiful part about having a podcast and having people that actually know what they're talking about on there, on the podcast. But um, so I'm thinking about what you're saying and maybe just applying it to myself and my own experience with human design. And um, I know that sometimes that food can be a coping thing for me. Um, you know, when I get stressful, stressed, um, it used to be when I was in my 20s, food, I don't even care about food. I didn't. And but then I married a or prior to my 20s, I married a, a an Italian woman, somewhat Italian influence, and she likes food. And so she taught me how to like food. And so in my 30s and 40s, food's more of an issue, you know. Um, and so one thing that I always did when I was doing exercise programs was try to eat less at night. That's what they always told me, eat less at night. Well, I happen from a standpoint of human design, I'm a generator. And I'm an evening eater, which if I don't need to eat during the day, if I'm going to cut back, what I've found that what actually works is don't eat during the day. Drink plenty of water, maybe have a snack. That's fine. Don't eat much. And then at night, it doesn't really matter. Now, if I eat all day and then eat all night, then that, that could create a problem. But um, I can eat and go to sleep. And it's, it's, it's absolutely so that's not what I was programmed to think about. You know, when I'm doing exercise programs, um, everyone's like, well, don't eat after 7.30. Don't eat after whatever the, the time is, right? Well, if I'm staying, if I'm starting my day at 10, p at 10 a.m., let's say, and uh, which this varies for me, but let's say sometimes I've, I have uh, some other owls in my family that stay up late. And um, so let's say I start work at 10, I get done at 6, and I... Um, spend time with the family, maybe we go to bed at 11 or, or midnight. Um, that's, that's not going to work for what I was told. Yeah. Well, and if I can, I'd love to address that. And so without yes, even please. looking at your chart, I would say there are multiple ways we could get to a solution in there. And so one of those would be to look at your openness and say, where and how do you need energy? Because this is one of the things I think human design provided me and it provides the clients that I work with that's so powerful is it gave me permission to realize that I have a unique way that I do different things or things that work for me that don't work for others. Because one of the mm -hmm. things, you know, and, and I was one of those people, I mean, I'm, I'm what's known as a manage gen. So I like having multiple things going on, but I also can resonate with what you said, because both in my variables, I have variables in terms of how my four arrows, look. Um, I do much better with fasting than I do eating on a regimen. Like I don't, there are some days I eat 800 calories. There are some days I eat 3000 calories. I eat <laughs> based on what my body intuitively guides me. And mm -hmm. I got out of that. You got to have breakfast. You got to have that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Breakfast actually makes me nauseous. I yep. don't do well having food in my system usually before the earliest 11 o'clock, but usually it's two, three o'clock in the afternoon. And I do extremely well when I eat condensed windows and when I eat based on what my body is guiding me towards. And I have multiple areas in my chart where I, chart where I can map that out. Um, and I can show that when I'm not healthy in those spaces where that creates addictive patterns for me. And so one is getting into that belief. And I think one of the most empowering things for people when they start to understand that they have a unique 
design. That's why I say it's an operating plan of you. If you imagine for a minute that the universe or God created this unique prototype, whether you want to say you're like the most premier vehicle that's ever been created, like even beyond what Elon Musk can create or anybody else, like you are this like pristine prototype, which by the way, you are, you are this prototype. (laughs) There is no other prototype like you. There is a unique operating plan on what you need to make that prototype run at optimal performance, which is what kind of gas? How do you like put it to rest at night? Like, how do you wash it? How do you, that's what your human design does. It literally is an operating plan of the fact that you are a cosmic event. You are a miracle. You are this once in a lifetime prototype. And it is this unique operating plan that shows how you operate at optimal performance. Now, it's one of the reasons why, and I love resources like Atomic Habits and Better Than Before and Miracle Morning. When you apply the methodology and principles into the wiring that works for you. I used to get so frustrated when I would work with my mentors and teachers and be like, why can't I get up at 5 a.m. and crush this morning routine? Because I am not a 5 a.m. morning person. I am a 11 o'clock at night. Holy cow, my creativity can't stop. I would do better to let my creativity flow when I'm at my peak state and go to bed at one in the morning, then force myself to go to bed and be this early riser. It's why I think there's a lot of nonsense in the sayings, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, wise. So does late to bed and late to rise. It's about how you're operating inside of your waking hours. And so when we can let go of, this is why people have addictions, because we force ourselves to think we have to operate. It's, it's imposter syndrome showing up going, well, Kevin's routine looks like this. Why mm-hmm. doesn't my routine look like this? Well, first mm-hmm. of all, Kevin might have a defined will center, which says he just gets, he, he literally jacks up on the idea of a habit for the sake of a habit because it's how he's wired. He loves discipline. Me as someone with an almost wide open willpower goes, why? Why would you do that? Why? Like if it's not attached to an emotional compelling reason, the idea of habits for the sake of habits is the most mind numbing thing for me. And I might do three days where I could take a new habit and then I'm like, I'm over it. I have me having constant, consistent access to discipline and willpower is not my jam. Me (laughs) tapping into a very compelling why that trips my emotional reservoir of passion that says this allows me this, I can stay on, on point and I can have the discipline and I can do the things with also giving me freedom to say it doesn't have to be at eight o'clock every morning. I just know I need to do this sometime today. And so I was just having a conversation with a client about that. She's like, I just realized that I, when I give myself permission, that I know that moving my body every day is a necessity and and I, I, it's a non-negotiable. I stopped forcing myself to make it be the first thing when I get out of bed. Mm. I now realize that because I gave myself the freedom, I want to do it first. Mm. When I, and I said, isn't that interesting? Cause we do a lot of work in her human design. Isn't it interesting when you stop thinking you operate like someone else? Yeah. When you understand your unique wiring, you give yourself permission to go, oh, what if I mapped out a way for me to succeed versus setting myself up for failure before I'm even like taking my first breath? And that's, in my opinion, and what I see with my clients, that openness that we're taking in everybody else's way they do things and thinking it has to be the way we do it without choosing and discerning for ourselves is what creates a lot of that addictive patterns. Yeah, I agree. Oh, that's, that's, that's so true. Uh, I want to, I want to just share one thing. I think for 30, this is a religious one, but for 30 years, I, judged myself based on what I was taught around, you know, we need to pray right away in the morning. We need to pray at night and we need to do all this stuff. We need to read the Bible. We need to do all this stuff. Well, guess what? I'm a more spiritual, more praying person now when I gave all that up, right? Because for me, having an ongoing conversation with God inside of me is way more effective than following instructions that 
I don't know necessarily where mm-hmm. they came from. Maybe you could argue some things, but it's it's not. It doesn't work for me. It, it just it absolutely does. I failed for thirty years mm-hmm. at that. Now, if I stop judging myself and actually embrace who I am, um, one of the early things was someone said at some point, like, "Well, if you don't pray right away in the morning, just do it later." Well, I started to do it at noon, and it was like, "Oh, well, this works for me." You know, um, I actually have time and. Anyway, so that's just a small example, but um, just for your just for your general comparison purposes, I'll just put out there a few things. I have openness all the way from my head all the way to the uh, what's the fourth one down? You would know better. Your G center. Yep. Okay. Your identity I'm... center. Your self direction. Yes. Okay. Because your sacral is closed because you're a generator, so you yep. have your defined sacral. Is your root defined as well? Yes. So okay. the and your spleen four, is open, if I remember right. Is yep, your yep yep okay? I do and remember that. I am a, a solar plexus authority. Yep. So you, you have an emotional. De- so you're defining your sacral, your root, and your solar plexus. Are you defining your ego too, in your willpower? That little itty bitty triangle that's right above the solar plexus. Yep. That's mm-hmm. what I thought. Okay. So you have all your openness from your head, ajna, throat center and your spleen and then the other aspect most of your you have all of the motor centers divided yes which makes you so just so you know like here's an example of where someone comparing themselves to you could absolutely set them up down a slippery slope of addiction and a cycle of burnout because you are here to do work kevin is a worker kevin is like my friend debbie who has the very same chart at least in openness, and we don't have the same charges anymore, yep. um, but has the openness that she is 60 some years old and people be like, when are you going to retire? And she's like, what? I can't retire. She can't. Mm-hmm. She has four motor centers. She has a sacral. She has a root center. She has an emotional center and a will center. She has nothing but energy that wants to get stuff done. Now, where Kevin's going to be susceptible is if Kevin says yes to the wrong things. And then mm-hmm. he's using all of that motorized backup generator type energy. He has backup batteries. So if his sacral gets tapped out, it's also one of the reasons why he probably likes working at night. Because once he gets ramped up, those backup <laughs> batteries like light him up. It's like he's got turbo boost backup yep. generators. He puts in behind him on a little backpack that he like, he's like, the, he's like the energizer bunny. Once that like ramp up starts... He has a really hard time turning it off until he's burned off all of the energy of all of that motorized energy, that that motorized capacity. So when he says yes to the wrong things, he's burning out stuff before he can do his highest and best work and the things that light him up. If he's lit up, Kevin can go for days until the thing needs to be done. And then when he's done, he will take a rest. And he basically, he burns off his energy physically and, and mentally, goes to bed, rest, recharges, and does the same thing over. If you are someone who has all of that open in your chart and you think you're supposed to work like Kevin, I will tell you right now, you're going to take yourself out. You are not (laughs) designed to have that consistent energy. Now I have all of that except the will center. So I'm like, at my root, my root has all but two gates defined. So my root is like when I get, and I'm a Manny Jen. So when I go and people are like, Candy, I can't keep up. My way that I can actually give them some space and grace is go, you're not supposed to. Like, (laughs) stop trying to keep up with me when I get going because you are literally setting yourself up for a a downward spiral into a place that's going to take you out and it will take you out rapidly. And so if you're hanging around with Kevin and you're like, man, he can get some stuff done and man, I should be working like that. And if you were working in an environment where you got a coworker that's doing that, and you're like, but Kevin just produces stuff. I produce like Kevin. And I get we celebrate that kind of production in our culture. That's part of why we have the addictive culture, because we celebrate people like Kevin who can get a lot of stuff done. And, and it's a big and. And if you aren't wired that way, you are going to burn yourself out, which means then you got to create coping mechanisms that say, I got to take the edge off. The edge off is this pressure, especially if you got an open route around Kevin or around me, you get this adrenalized pressure that's literally burning out your adrenals. That's like, I got to get it done. I got to hustle. I got to go. And 
every moment you're doing that, you're building this unnecessary stress and pressure in your body that at some point you're like, oh my God, I got to take the edge off. I need something that takes the edge off. Oh my God, I can't. I'm so over anxious and adrenalized fight, flight, free, like all that energy is coming in for survival that all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I can't, I can't bring my body. I can't get my nervous system to regulate. I got to do something. And people with a wide open root who are hanging around people with really defined root and other motorized centers are going to fall prey. That's just one example, by the way, we'll fall mm. prey to drugs, alcohol, and anything that is a numbing, numbing coping mechanism, food, anything that like creates a space where they can numb that numb out. That is a prime example of somebody that would be in space with you and me right now. Who's like, Holy shit, I got to get stuff done. I want you to recognize that's not my energy and you yeah. need a practice. And so to go to what Kevin's saying, your practice is, by the way, I am, and I know I'm going to trip some people on this one. Your spiritual walk is yours. No yes. one gets to tell you what your spirituality is, period. No one gets to tell you your relationship with God, source, Tao, Buddha, Penelope, whatever you want to call it. No <laughs> one gets to tell you that. I, agree. Um, I get When I moved to Texas, people were like, Candy, do you go to church? I'm like, every day. They're like, where do you go? I'm like, Rishi Creek, the trails. They're like, that's not church. I'm like, my butt sitting <laughs> in a pew has nothing to do with church. Church is a state of being and it is my sacred space. I talk to God constantly. I talk to source people like you call it, I call it a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. and it is my walk it is no one else's and i say that because that also can trigger people and some of that comes yeah. from lineage and some of your own coding that you were wired with before you even came into this world you're bringing yeah. your ancestors stuff to the table too uh, yeah, which amen. i know is just gonna really get people yeah hey, let's let's <laughs> do it. let's just post mm -hmm. there right <laughs> yeah well i i think i don't think we've ever covered the anxiety like that type of addiction that i don't think we've had the discussion of what you're talking about about just over um over anxiety type of a of an addiction um i think i was more at least talking about addiction from my standpoint which is more of a heart-based um love absence of loving myself that kind of thing so i i, I appreciate you bringing this out and Good for well, me can to I just hit difference. on that for a minute? Because that's your open area, right? Yep, your sense yep. of identity and direction. And so you have, and so if, for example, and by the way, people that have an open G center and an open willpower, you are really susceptible to addiction because of what Kevin's talking about, which is, I don't know who I am. I don't feel lovable. I don't know if I deserve love. I don't feel clear on where I'm going. And I feel like my sense of direction is all over the place. That actually is your gift. What we don't realize is we think our openness is there's something wrong with us. And we create these spaces where we feel like we have imposter syndrome or we feel like we're not enough. Anything yeah. that's opening your chart, yeah. you're absorbing a sense of nothingness in some capacity. For Kevin, it's a sense of, I don't think I'm lovable enough. I don't think I am worthy enough because I'm not clear on where I'm going. I don't know who I am which is where somebody with an open G center or an open identity center, what they struggle with. And so he's seeking things that feel like comfort and love in an instant gratification, again, numbing, yep. but from a different capacity. So somebody, yes. so again, looking at where your openness is, we start to ask questions and say, does this resonate for you? And what if we could work on that sense of worth in that area that's open you start to then take control in a good way, or I should say ownership, of mm -hmm. where those potential triggers can lie so that you can heal that. Because anything that's opening your chart is your biggest opportunity for healing. It's your biggest opportunity for growth. And it's your biggest opportunity to become wise. It's why Kevin is teaching this, by the way, because it becomes our area of where we get to amplify our gifts to teach from our own experience and our own path so that then we can recognize I'm sampling everything. I have the power of agency to decide to discern what feels healthy for me. Mm -hmm. And so Kevin's addiction comes from his, mine came from my willpower and from my headspace. 
mine came from I'm not enough. It wasn't, I knew I was lovable enough, but I didn't feel <laughs> enough. Like I had to prove mm, something be, constantly. Be something. And I felt like I had to be certain where I'm not here to be certain, neither is Kevin. In that mm-hmm. openness. And I felt like there was just this constant push. Now, then there's also things that can show up in the gates that you have that aren't full channel, that you can see that there'll be some triggers in there as well. And it's the shadows we work through. There's a depth. And so there's not one answer. And to what Kevin just said, I wanted to highlight that because that's where his addictions come through. It's that openness and sense of grappling with who am I really inside this Mm -hmm. space? And as Kevin probably has done his healing and his work through those addictions, he's recognized one of his superpowers is he gets to be a chameleon. He gets to show up for the environments and the people he is in the way that they need him and is going to resonate best he doesn't have a set way he walks in and his energy walks in and like this is who he is he gets to play with that and discern whereas me my energy walks in a room before i do and it kind of <laughs> is what it is uh. kevin gets to play with that and like surround himself so for kevin right place right people are everything yeah. he then chooses the circles because people with an open G center do sometimes get connected to the wrong crowd because Mm -hmm. they are finding what they perceive as a strength or a confidence in knowing who they are. That again is part of that addictive cycle that says, I want some of that. I want to feel that. And so they surround themselves with people that take them down those slippery slopes that then addiction becomes. And so there's all of these things that can be on packed and unwound inside of that space and so i love that you said that because that's an example of how your addiction might show up differently yeah well i think i mean this is a common thing with human design what what you just described is something that's happened already right so for me i already knew what you just said but like that's what that's the beauty of human design is that um it can give you more information because you've got all like when you start to understand it you're like oh wow, that, that's what it took me forever to figure out that that was true for me, right? Um, for me, when we do what we call soul care, Jamie and I, like, yes, I emotionally connect to the situation that they're in, in their life, and we help them heal on the spot. What what happened to them that is preventing them and keeping them stuck from being everything they were designed to be, right? And we do that in like a three hour period. So absolutely. Now, uh, what you described of like that openness being available for, how did you say that? I, um, the openness that we have allows us to be available to energy outside of ourselves or can you correct me on how? Yeah. How you said that? So the, your openness means, okay. So we have either defined areas in our chart or open areas in our chart. Undefined. The defined area say I have consistent access to that energy. I mm. have access to it 24-7 and I'm broad. It's the energy that's coming off. It's my personality. It is the energy that I am broadcasting 24-7. It is a, it's a constant reservoir of energy. Now, we can get taken out of that if we're saying yes to the wrong things. Yes. That's a whole yeah. other conversation. But the defined energy means I have this energy readily available. Whether I like it or not, it is the personality side of my we all have openness or the undefined areas in our chart, which says that I am absorbing and amplifying that energy from others. And so basically uh, yeah. anything that's open is like this. If anything that's defined, it's like you're ordering off a menu. While you still can make decisions. You're, you're mm-hmm. limited on what options are available for you because you have this energy. You're like, okay, we're at an Italian restaurant. Here's my six choices. This is what I'm going to have today. That's the defined areas, mm-hmm. especially in the G center. When it's open, it's like you're at the all-you-can-eat smorgasbord buffet of everything that if you overload your plate too much, you're going to walk away sick as a dog. Um, That's the opportunity in your open area. You are here to sample. You are here. And by the way, unless you're a reflector who has all open, that's a little bit nuances, but we still have, they still have definition in their chart, whether it be Mm -hmm. gates. We all have all of the chart. That's the other thing that I love that one of my mentors talks about. We have all have all of the chart. 
just it's what how you access the chart that's different but we have yeah. everything no one is broken no yeah. one's charts better than <laughs> I another that. i think it's really important because people look at their chart and go oh my god i have out of the nine centers i have six centers open something's wrong with me i'm like no are you kidding you have a whole lot of opportunity to discern and chat me i have nine centers and six of mine are defined i have three open which means i have a lot of definition I run the risk of having a fixed mindset in those areas or, or spaces where I'm like, well, it is what it is. I'm not going to do anything different mm -hmm. yes. versus taking ownership and learning. I can adapt and expand in my gifts in those areas. Your defined areas are your natural superpowers. It's what you're putting into the world. Your openness, though, is so magical and delicious and beautiful when we look at it from that framing. It is where you are sampling. It is where you are experimenting in life. It is where you are trying things on to then discern what resonates best with who you choose to be. Again, who you are is your choice. You have free will. It's mm -hmm. the how you can access that energy to align mm -hmm. with the who you choose to be. So when you say, this is who I am, this is future me, this is what I'm calling to me, your open areas allow you the space to draw wisdom through your experiences to say, then this is the aspects of the energy that I want to like borrow and use and dance with and play with because it's borrowed energy. You don't, you can't, it's not consistent. That then I know, oh, the planets are moving this way, or I'm around this person that, for example, if you're like, I have a really big project I want to get done, and I don't have an open route, and I know that sometimes, then I might surround myself or partner with someone mm -hmm. who has a divine route, because I can borrow that energy for them in this container. And yeah. then when we're done... I can let that energy go. I can discharge the amplification because that's one of the biggest things we need to learn in our open areas is how to discharge what we've built up because it's mm -hmm. not ours. So we need to discharge it, clear the deck again, and then go sample and build and, and bring in the energy we need to do something else. And when we get in those rhythms, it makes us extremely wise, which is why oftentimes our open areas become the areas we teach about. Because mm -hmm. we get to talk about our experiences of what we've sampled and what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. because we've actually lived through it, right? So our openness actually creates this really magical opportunity for us to raise our own consciousness and, and make these decisions that can affect the nuances of how others receive us and play with them and how we interact. Because again, your chart, one of the aspects of your chart is it shows you how we, how to interact with others, how you best interact and how people are in relationship is very different or should be in relationship is very different based on what their chart says. Hmm. That sounds like we could go a whole nother podcast on that. <laughs> well, <laughs> So we might have to have you. To go down. So I'll, I'll do some to go down. negotiations. Eventually. Maybe we can get you back sometime. But, um, Happily. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to get in and make sure we have enough time for this. Um, I think there's another thing about uh, especially, especially relationships, but also like really embracing and being willing to um, – to embrace the different sides of us uh, that we find out about ourselves. And I, I feel like this is getting into gender um, a little bit, but from the standpoint of, of your experience and human design or however you want to define it, how are we broken culturally when it comes to uh, feminine, masculine type traits <laughs> and um, how is there any general things that we can offer the audience around that? Because uh, I mean, it's been a big thing for me to just embrace, especially, I mean, Jamie and I, in our marriage, there's, we don't follow the normal, right? Like we don't, we never have. And the more that we've embraced the fact that we are not mm -hmm. the normal and that we are who we are, the better we've been to the point now where we work together and, almost everything we do is together and we actually enjoy each other versus in the past when I was an addict, she was an enabler. 
Um, she was trying very hard to raise, I mean, she did a great job, but like raise six kids using those traditional values, using those traditional viewpoints. And I was be trying to be, and I use the word trying very purposely in what I'm describing, mm-hmm. trying to be uh, the man that goes out and earns the income and, you know, runs myself to death, which, you know, sometimes works. But anyway, you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I think this is a huge thing and this probably contributes just as much as everything else we've talked to, talked about to coping and addiction type behavior. For sure. And um, I love the conversation about masculine and feminine energy. And I would also say, um, I, I would like to, if you allow me, change the word from what's broken in our culture, because I, I think sure. one yes. of the Please. one of the challenges <laughs> or one of the opportunities um, for us is to stop classifying our humanness as broken in any capacity. I honestly okay. think that's part of that is part of the root cause of so much addiction is okay. the fact that we have a sense that we are broken. And right. I would I offer need, that it's not it's it's not it's not a sense of brokenness as much as it is we've forgotten. We have mm. forgotten who we are. And and one of the things that I've learned, the more I learn, the more I realize I know nothing. Um, yep. And I, I realize that learning is more about a process of unlearning than mm. it is actually acquiring more information. And so I say that because we are always seeking something outside of ourselves, regardless. And again, a lot of this comes from your openness in your chart, but we are seeking for something that we're in search of. People say, I need to find myself. I need to find my purpose. Mm-hmm. And I would offer that there's nothing to find. You <laughs> already are your purpose. Like yep. you being in the fullness of who you are and the true expression of what God intended you to be. And by the way, there are no mistakes. This is the thing that I think starts to, especially when we go back to that initial thing you talked about from a Christianity standpoint, why people get triggered is because there is a opportunity to let go of this idea that we are damned for all of the wrong and sins and things that we carry into this world and recognize that there are no mistakes, that we are living a human experience as part of why we were created. God is all knowing. Yet the opportunity to hand over the power of choice from an experiential standpoint was something that that we get to experience, right? It's this, it's this, it's it's what is our opportunity? It's our it's our sole curriculum. It's why we bump up against certain things all the time. It's part of what we get to understand and peel back and unlearn in order to walk our spiritual path back home to ourselves to remember who we actually are. Mm. And Mm. so when we let go of this brokenness that, because broken already says something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I'm not enough if I'm broken versus recognizing that the messy is actually part of the, is actually part of the beauty of what we Mm -hmm. get to do. First of all, most of us are wired that if everything was utopia all the time, we would be freaking bored. (laughs) We would find a way to disrupt something because we would be bored. We can't experience life in a human sense if everything is so. Now, that being said, there is this opportunity to bring us closer to utopia, to bring Mm -hmm. us closer to heaven on earth as now in current form on this planet. And we already have access to it. We are choosing. And I could get into a whole tailspin around how suffering is a human thing. It -hmm. is not a God-driven thing. And I'm really going to trigger some people. That's what I (laughs) do. Hey, let's do it. (laughs) Um, Disrupt that cycle. But this idea of brokenness, and I think it plays very heavily into the masculine and feminine energy. Because first of all, masculine feminine energy is not a male-female thing. It is a full embodiment of who we are. We all have yin and yang. We all have duality. Even in your chart, you have aspects of your chart that while one side says, I'm extremely extroverted and I have this beautiful feminine energy and I like to be in flow, this other part of your chart says, I don't. I want to go get some stuff done. We have duality. We all have both. Now, there are a myriad of things that play into that. One, and one of my spiritual teachers, it's actually, I went and did a spiritual retreat the weekend before my client introduced human design to me because the universe delivers as it delivers when you need, when the student mm-hmm. is ready, the teacher appears. And I had a teacher who walked us through, he even said to me, he goes, Candy, you have far more feminine energy than you think. I said, please, because I have always associated <laughs> myself as someone who has some serious masculine energy. Mm-hmm. He said, know what's happened. And, and it really caught me a space of contemplation and to really reflect. 
He said, the thing is, is you have so many layers of masks that you've had to do based on your survival. Mm. And I think about if you've ever been a woman playing in a male-dominated field, you have layered up mm. masks. If you have been a caretaker in your family, which, oh, by the way, is also a trigger for addiction, when you've lost that childhood because you had to adult up and be the caretaker yeah. I was. I was a full-time parent at the age of 12 where things going on in my family easy to get in because you get angry you get bitter when you're not living in that fullness when we come into this world if you ever watch a child they know who they are mm -hmm. they have a fullness and know mm -hmm. who they are even though they don't have the language the adult language that we've it's why i will say so a kid with autism actually is far more genius than we give them credit we just haven't learned how they communicate we yes, try to force yes. them into a box of communication that's not aligned for them. And then we label them instead of learning their language. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. We know who we are. When I, my mom would joke with me, she's like, Candy, do you remember what you would say when people are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, yeah. She goes, no, like at age three, you had a really interesting response. I said, oh no, I remember it. People would look at me and they go, oh, sweetie, what do you want to be when you grow up? Which by the way, whole nother podcast episode, worst question in the world to ask anyone. It implies you're not something now. But anyway, and I would respond back and go, it doesn't matter. I'm going to change the world. And they would look at me and say, mm. oh, that's, that's cute. But and it would actually make me very angry because they weren't listening. Mm. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm going to change the world. And the third time I would put my hands on my hip and I'd square back and I'd say, nice. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to write a book. She's like, you were, I said, because I knew who I was. I knew I came into this world with a soul contract and a mission. What's happened though, is we have, there is a, there's a collective, while we have a human design, there's also a human design of the universe. And mm. we all were born into this very heavy, very dense, we governance kind of imbalanced masculine. It's where the industrial revolution came. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's all these things that happened. It's been this energy since about 1615. If you really look energetically at what's played out. And it's been this very, I got to ask for permission. We all need to be the same. We're all just going to be kind of these robots that get this work done and we're just going to move. It's pulled us out of a healthy masculine because we all need an aspect of healthy masculine inside of us. It, it, our healthy masculine is how we create. It is mm -hmm. how we actually activate the work that needs to be done. Masculine energy is the doing energy. And by the way, the right side of your body is the masculine energy. So it is a doing space. If you feel pain in the right side of your body, it's usually because you're you have something holding you back, some fear, some something, some story showing up in what you need to do or what you need to create versus the left side of your body, which is heart center out. It's your receiving lines is the very feminine flow in your body. So if you're getting pain showing up, you may have trouble receiving or allowing things to come in and manifest for you to support you. We have that energy both of us, that wiring inside of mm -hmm. us. We are now moving into February, 2027. We are moving into a new universal energy, which is opening up a very individualized versus where we were in this very group dynamic, very individualized, healthy version of feminine. If we choose, because there's always choice, we can choose to be <laughs> on the, the dark side or the light side. It's our choice. This individualized feminine energy that's actually redefining the word the term selfish which right now a lot of times we think it's selfish to put ourselves first we have a culture that part of why addictions show up because god forbid mm. i take care of myself i gotta pour and pour and pour and i got nothing left to pour and i'm tapped out and again i gotta take the edge off it's that space of in, we if we allow ourselves self-care we say when i take care of me then i can take care of you we are actually moving into this really interesting energy that says, when I take care of me, all is taken care of. We break, because right now we're stuck in this very imbalanced, codependent cycle of male, female, strong, soft, this energy that we're, we keep trying to separate and polarize mm -hmm. instead of realizing there's this dance between yin and yang energy of when do I create from a place that feels aligned and is lighting me up and feels like truth? And when do I activate the work that's inspired in that space versus when do I allow myself to receive 
and feel love and be in flow, it's moving us into a state of beingness instead of a state of doingness. And the only way that happens is when we marry for each of us individually and then collectively that balance between healthy masculine and healthy feminine that each and every one of us has. It just looks different and it's proportioned different based on who we are. It requires us though to look at all the masks and the stuff and the stories and the narratives and the conditioning and the programming and the stuff so that when you get in your human design and you do the work for you and you marry that for you, if you choose to believe that when I take care of me, all is taken care of, if we each did our part in that, it actually would not take us very long to reset and balance. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I, I love that, uh, that we're seeing this, this happen, you know, like in so many communities and, uh, I've been witnessing this because I've been working maybe, maybe partially because I've been working with so many women entrepreneurs who are figuring this out, you know, yeah. um, well, it's why you success. see all our systems breaking too, right? It's why we're I, I, honestly, in my opinion, I believe it's why the pandemic hit. It was an opportunity for all of what is systemically keeping us in an imbalanced masculine energy right now. It's why everything is breaking apart because we've got to 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 break it apart in order to build it back up in a way that's meaningful. And so our systems will start to look different. Our organizations already, some of them are imploding. They can't the new mm -hmm. and the new generations coming in, our kids are coming in with this coding. They are the new leaders that are going to shift consciousness and raise the level of leadership. We, as the ones that are starting to become awakened and understand it, have an opportunity to participate. Mm. Mm, that's that's beautiful. Well, I don't have any questions on that because that's <laughs> that's just I just think that just listening to what Candy's saying, I would encourage you, if you don't know about human design, go find out about it. If we've interested you, go find out about it. You can get, you know, you could contact Candy um, if you're interested in, like, working, doing some deeper work. I think that she's probably not as interested in what the entry-level people, maybe, I, I don't know. That's the sense I get from you. But there's a lot of people that will do, like, simple readings to kind of get you started. And, um, yeah, contact anyone that that you know or Candy or Jamie and I. We can give you the charge. That's no problem. There's free charts, uh, myhumandesign.com. Uh, it's easy to get started. Then dig into a little bit, and then in a month or two, come back and listen to this episode again, okay? Because you're going to get a lot more out of it the second time or third time that you, you hear what she's saying. So uh, anyway appreciate you very much for coming on and yes if, as long as you're willing to come back i'm you're you're, you're coming back i'll i would love we'll, to so all right thank you and uh we will see you on the next podcast thank you for tuning in and to stay in touch email us at info at business addicts podcast.com